Zechariah chapter 4. We're going to read the verse, first seven verses. If you don't have it, it's on the screen this morning. Zechariah 4, 1 through 7. It says, Now the angel who talked with me came back and awakened me as a man who was waked out of his sleep. And he said to me, What do you see? So I said, I am looking. And there's a lampstand of solid gold with a bowl on top of it. And the seven lamps with seven pipes to the seven lamps. Two olive trees are by it. One at the right of the bowl and the other at the left. So I answered and spoke to the angel who talked with me saying, What are these, my Lord? Then the angel who talked with me answered and said to me, Do you not know what these things are? And I said, No, my Lord. And so he answered and he said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel you shall become a plain. He shall bring forth the capstone with shouts of grace, grace to it. Father, thank you for your word today. Pray that you would speak to our hearts, spirit of the living God. We give you praise today in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. You can be seated. Well, I say it all the time and I mean it. Good morning, everybody. Turn around one more time and smile real big. I hope you brushed your teeth today. Amen. And tell them you're glad to see them. We're excited that you're here. God is so good. And uh, I'm excited. I'm telling you, I'm glad to be back in the good old USA uh, with all of our problems and everything else that's uh, our nation. You know, we can go down list by list and talk about the things that we need to fix, but it doesn't really matter because it's still the greatest nation in the world to live in. And uh, if you would know that if you've ever gone outside of it. But uh, I'm so thankful to be home today. You know, I'm glad to be Pentecostal, and today happens to be Pentecost Sunday, and I'm stirred up for the church in our nation. So I want to ask you to buckle your pew belt this morning, put on your, uh, your steel toe boots, and go with me into the Word of God, because I believe God has a Word. We're going to start a new series next week entitled Beyond the Veil, looking at the spiritual realm, spiritual warfare. But today we're going to look at what the Word of the Lord has to say to us. Um, you know, um, it does not take a psychic to know that our world is in trouble. Uh, if you have eyeballs, if you have a brain, simply just look around and you understand that the world around us is in a rapid state of moral decay. Um, as our nation, it breaks my heart that in America, in a, in a time where our nation was full of morals and we had I Love Lucy and we had a great, great representation of morality on television, that in our nation uh, we have starting this month what has been deemed as Pride Month. This morning, I don't mean to make anybody upset, and I don't mean to belittle anybody's beliefs or your family members or whatever, but the truth is, is that when sin is celebrated in the street of the nation, it brings reproach upon the nation. I don't understand why people think that being proud of sexual immorality is so, uh, so much of a good thing when the Bible says pride comes before a fall. We don't have to be in a, a, a hole somewhere with our head in the ground to realize that we are in a bad state of events. Where from the White House to the streets, debauchery is celebrated in our nation. I don't know about if you know this or not, but economically, we're in trouble. 
I saw a news report this last week where on many of our coastal cities, whether it's the East Coast or the West Coast, I saw where gasoline in New York City is exceeding $7 and a quarter a gallon. Uh, I saw where in uh, Monterey Bay and some towns north of San Francisco, gasoline has eclipsed $10 a gallon, exceeding the federal minimum wage rate in our nation. We are going through some crazy difficult times. Our food prices, I don't know if you've been to the grocery store lately, are up 20 and 30 percent. Things are happening at a rapid pace. Contractors that I'm speaking to who build and they purchase concrete and wood and things of that nation. What, what's happening is things that were $27 this time last year are $47 this time this year. We're finding ourselves in economic trouble. Due to our world conflict with our leadership, we're constantly at the edge of a war. You've got to understand that Russia and China are not very friendly to the U.S. US right now. Our military, once the strongest, God bless them, now is weakened in our nation. You say, I don't believe that. Well, friends, I'm sorry to tell you that due to various circumstances in our nation, our country is becoming the laughing stock of the world. Spiritually, you've got to understand that church attendance is at an all-time low. COVID-19 displaced many, driving them away from good habits and faithfulness to the house of God. It's funny to me that our nation's slogan right now is build back better, but we're worse than when we started. I'm going to have to say that again, aren't I? This is not a political message this morning, but I believe it is prophetic to the days that we live in. It's interesting to me that our nation's slogan right now is to build back better, but we're worse off than where we started. Friends, I want you to know something, that our nation needs God. We need Him more than the air that we breathe. We need Him more than the food that we eat. We need His Word. We need His wisdom. We need His power. We need the Holy Spirit to overtake us again. Hallelujah. As I'm looking at our text, and I'm looking at our text in Zechariah, you may say, how in the world does that even have anything to do with us? But I want you to know something, that not reading into Scripture, I see so many parallels in the Scripture in Zechariah's day as I do our day. You see, Israel was a nation blessed by God. Israel was a nation that was established to show forth God's promises to the world. And certainly God has been faithful to Israel throughout its ebbs and flows, throughout serving Him. And and even God remained faithful to them to an extent, calling them back to repentance whenever they would chase idols. But their strength was when they served the Lord. Their protection came from when they served the Lord. And so what happened is, is that Israel allowed sin into their lives. Solomon The great son of David who had the wisdom of all the men put together. God asked him, Solomon, what is it that you want me to do for you? And Solomon said, God, I just want wisdom that I can lead your people. And God said, okay, Solomon, since you didn't ask for money, since you didn't ask to be Bill Gates, since you didn't ask to be a multi-billionaire and to amass all this fame unto yourself, you asked for a pure thing. He said, I'm going to give you what you ask and then some. And God made Solomon such an astute man. David was the son of Solomon, and because of David's disobedience, 
Because of the fact that David numbered Israel and caused bloodshed and sin and various things in his life, David was not allowed to build the temple, though God had put it in his heart to build him a house. And so the beauty of the temple was built. This temple was the Old Testament representation of the presence of God. Are you following me this morning? This temple was the the center of Israeli life. Three times a year, there's seven feasts, but three times a year Israel was to come in person and bring a gift before God at the feasts. And, and this was a holy place. In it, was the, there was the outer court where you could come in. There was the inner court where the laver of washing was. And then there was the holy of holies. And there was a veil in a room. And behind that veil was the Ark of the Covenant. It was the holy place. Israel came and they worshipped and the Shekinah glory of God would come and rest upon that ark. It was amazing. They would come and they would worship and they would come and they would worship God. But what happened was is that sin came into Israel. God had given them warning after warning to stay away from idolatry. He told them not to marry outside of their nationality. And it was not because of skin color or racism. It was because of the gods of the Babylonians and the gods of the other people. And God didn't want their religions to intersect and to become defiled. But many of them, that's what happened. And, and they began to turn their back on the living God. And so what happened was because they turned their backs on God, the hand of the Lord lifted off of them and the Babylonians came in and destroyed the temple. Literally took it in ruins, took everything and the people of God went into captivity. Do you know something this morning? It is not God's will for God's people to be in bondage. Amen. But that's what happens when you allow sin into your life. Even as a believer, sin has consequence. And they were taken into captivity. And so now, if you look at the writings of David, I love it. He says, when we, when we sat by the rivers of Babylon, we sat down and wept. As we remembered the songs of Zion, he said, we hung our harps by the willow trees and we cried. Why? Because they remembered the glory days. They remembered the Shekinah glory of God. They remember when Solomon dedicated the temple and fire fell down from heaven. It was a wonderful thing. And now, like Job, in the ruins of his life, they are sitting there wondering and looking at what it used to be. And I just wonder this morning, are there people in this room who you sit here and you look at the fact of how glorious it used to be? Do you remember the good old days when we used to do this and we used to do that? You remember when the presence of God used to fall? I told the story time and time again of the old man driving the truck, him and his wife. They owned a farm. They had acres and acres of land. They had an old red Chevy pickup truck. And they would drive together. And one day, the wife was talking to her husband and said, Honey, don't you remember when we used to drive and look at the stars? Man, it was so awesome. He said, yeah, I remember that. She said, honey, don't you remember the days when we used to drive out here in the pasture and we'd, we'd just hold hands and hug and we'd look up and, and just admire God's creation? He said, yeah, I remember that. She said, well, let me ask you a question. He said, sure. She said, what happened? He said, well, I'm still in the same place. You're the one that moved. Come on, somebody. 
I'm still driving. You're the one that scooted over to the other door. Sometime between now and then, our closeness has not been what it used to be. And let me tell you something, my friend. When we get away from God, the further away we get from God, the further away we get from His blessing, the further away we get from the glory. But let me tell you something. While Israel was sitting there and they were looking at what used to be, there was a prophet in these days by the name of Haggai. And I love what Haggai said. He said, the glory of the latter house shall be greater than the glory of the former house. What am I trying to say? What God wants to do in your future is a much better than what he did in his past listen God never allows himself to be slighted and if God did it once my friend he can do it again he can do it again and what God wants to do is glorious but now they're in captivity in bondage God began to stir the hearts of some people See, Joshua was their leader, and Zerubbabel was in the lineage of David. And then we have Nehemiah. You know, Nehemiah's job was to rebuild the walls. Then we have various other people that we see. Ezra was the scribe. You see, the, the, the word of the Lord used to be read in the temple, but whenever the, the temple was destroyed, everything was destroyed. And when they went back to the rubble and they looked, they found the word of God, the tablets of stone, Moses' words from God crushed and put under the temple. So they begin to talk about, man, we, we need to restore and rebuild. Everybody say, we need to rebuild. We need to rebuild. God put it in the hearts of some people to rebuild. Let me tell you something. If we're ever going to see a rebuild... God is going to have to put it in the hearts of some people. And I believe that he has done so today. I'm listening right now to people all over the United States, pastors and friends and evangelists and prophets and people that I know who are called of God, that God is stirring in their hearts. He's stirring something in their soul. And, and there's one thing that resounds with all of them. They want to see the glory of God. They want to see revival in our nation. Yes, if we look around right now, a lot of the church, listen, if we look in spiritual eyes, everything in the Old Testament is a type and shadow of the future. And just like Israel was in the bondage of the Babylonians, there are people today who are, who are called by God, who have been kissed with his presence, who are what? They are in captivity to the bondage of the world. In captivity to the bondage of sin, unfaithful to God, destruct, dispelled, placed away. But thank God for some people who said, you know what? We want to make it great. We want to build. We want to go forward. So they began the process. In this process, these men began to do what they needed to do. They began to walk forward. You see, Nehemiah was a chief builder. Nehemiah was tasked to rebuild the walls and to restore some order of life. Ezra was a scribe. His job was to restore the teachings of Scripture. Zerubbabel was the last living line of David. As they laid, they began to lay the foundations again. The enemy began to attack them. Let me tell you something, my friend. When all of us look at a building. We like the aesthetics of the windows. 
We love the carpets. We love the pillars. We love the posts. We, we love all of the decorum and, and everything that goes along with it. But let me just give you a word of warning this morning. It doesn't matter how good any of that stuff looks if you don't first build the foundation. Amen. If you don't first build the foundation, none of it matters. And what I feel like we have today is a church absent of glory because we have all the aesthetics, but we do not have the foundation. Where is prayer? Where is the reading of the word? Where is consecration and holiness unto God? Where is worship that is undefiled and unadulterated? Friends, let me tell you something. If we're ever going to build something great for God in this generation, just like like Zerubbabel, just like Nehemiah and Ezra, we've got to go back to the foundations. You've got to strip it down to the foundations. And as they begin to build, their enemy tried to distract them and interfere with them. Can I tell you something? You will never do something for God that the enemy doesn't try to fight you. Never expect to walk into enemy territory unopposed. And that's exactly what happened. They began to do this and the enemy began to discourage them. He began to, to do all these things. They began to look around and see what used to be. Israel used to have amassed a great army. When Solomon built the temple, he had more wealth. He had to tell the people to stop bringing the resources. Solomon had so much. All of that was gone. Their political structure was gone. And, and Zerubbabel began to get discouraged. And that's where we get to our text this morning. Zechariah chapter 4 verse 1. Go back with me and let's look. It says, And the angel who talked with me came back and awakened me as a man who was awakened out of his sleep. So Zechariah was awakened by the Lord. And he said to me, What do you see? So I said, I'm looking and there's a lampstand of solid gold with a bowl on top of it. And on the stand, seven lamps with seven pipes to the seven lamps. Two olive trees are by it, one at the right of the bowl and the other at the left. And so I answered and spoke to the angel who talked to me saying, what are these? And then the angel who talked with me answered and said to me, do you not know what these are? And I said, no, Lord. And then he answered and he said to me, look at this, don't miss it. This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, nor by power. But it's by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. These two olive trees, most theologians agree with us, represent Joshua, who is the high priest. Uh, and the other one represents Zerubbabel, which was the, uh, the national leader of that day. Here's what we've got to understand. That, that in his discouragement, God brought him a word through the prophet in his discouragement, in his despair, when he felt like it would never happen, the word of the Lord came to him and said, Not by might, nor is it by power, Zerubbabel, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Are you ready to get into this with me? Come on, are y'all still here or have you gone home already? Let's get into this this morning. Not by might, nor by power. But by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. There's a parallel here from Zerubbabel's day to our day. I want you to notice the phrasing of this scripture. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. I want to draw your attention to the first part of that phrase, not by might. See, the word might 
there in the Hebrew language. It, it is a word picture and it is describing great military force. So God is looking at Zerubbabel and he's saying, Zerubbabel, it's not going to come by the vastness of your armies. See, if you're taking notes this morning, write this down. Number one, they did not have a military answer. See, there was a time in Israel's history where they had all of the armies and and all of those things, and Israel was so protected, but now they find themselves just a few because you've got to understand that though they were these men were coming out of Babylonian captivity, everybody did not come with them. It was a few men. It wasn't a the whole nation. Many of them stayed back in captivity. So they didn't have many of the resources that they had. David had big armies. All they had was each other. Friends, let me tell you something. In our world today with all of the problems, and I thank God for the Coast Guard, the Marines. I thank God for the Army. I thank God for the Reserves. I thank God for all of those people. But the answer to our spiritual crisis today is not a military answer. That answer is not going to fix our problem today. You can have all of the military and all of the people lined up arm to arm across our nation, and it cannot change the heart the condition of a human heart. The only thing that will work is the Spirit of the Lord. They didn't have a military answer. Friends, you and I, if we're looking to world systems to fix our problems, we're going to be grossly mistaken, friend. We have to call upon the name of the Lord. They didn't have a military answer. Then notice this. He says, not by might, verse 7, nor by power. But it's by my spirit, says the Lord. Notice this. The word might, the Hebrew represents military strength. Because how many of you know if you have a big army, you can just run and take over and take things and build things and those types of things. They didn't have that. Then he said, not by power. The word power there in the Hebrew is indicative of the word wealth. See, when Solomon built the temple, I referenced it a moment ago. Solomon built the temple and he challenged the people to give. The Bible says they, they brought so much wealth that they were told to stop giving. The resources in the house of God were so full that there was no place to put another offering. How glorious is that? People were selling their boats and their iPad, I mean their, uh, their things, you know, their extra cattle and they were selling their, you know, all this stuff and, and their Rolex, I mean their, uh, you know, their goats. They were selling all kind of stuff and their extra stuff and they were bringing it to the house of the Lord and saying, build, build, build. And it was so beautiful. Let me tell you something. The temple was so beautiful. And when the queen of Sheba came to visit it, the Bible says the breath left her body. She fainted. She fell out because it was so pretty. How many of you believe God's stuff ought to be pretty? You know, God dealt with them in this rebuild. Because not only was Zechariah a prophet, but Malachi was a prophet. Malachi was a prophet 
in the days of Nehemiah and Zerubbabel and that scripture that we like to talk about, bring all your tithes into the storehouse that there might be food in my house, says the Lord. And watch me now if I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that there wouldn't be room enough to receive it. You know, you know why this was important? Because, because the temple was destroyed. The, uh, all the priests were displaced as well. And, and there was no resource in the house of God. And so during the rebuilding, what happened was, was that the prophet Malachi challenged them to begin to tithe again because many of them had stopped and some of you in this room need to start if you realize what God has blessed you with it wouldn't be an issue but God is the source of all of our resources and so he challenged them, don't rob God. He said, bring your tithe into the storehouse. And, and then apparently there was some other discouragement because then Haggai, the prophet, shows up. He begins to talk to them. He says, you sow, but you're still empty. You, you drink, but you're still thirsty. You eat, but you're still hungry. He says, you give, but it's, it's like you've got pockets with holes in it. He said, because your house looks great, but my house looks terrible. That's what the prophet of, the God, of God said to Haggai. He said, he said, you go home to your nice little tiled houses. Let me, let, me, let me give it to you in modern day language. He said, you go home with your Cadillac in the driveway. You go home with your nice 3,000 square foot house and you got your RV and your boat. And he said, man, my, my house is falling apart. And God told him to put it first. Put your best resources, give your best gift, and build God's house. And let me tell you something. God told them, he said, you're not going to do it with this amassed wealth that you did before. He said, Zerubbabel, what it's going to be, it's going to be by my spirit. People looked at Solomon's accomplishments and they said, wow, that's awesome. But Zerubbabel, when people look at this, they're not going to be able to say, you did it in your own strength. They didn't have an economic answer. And let me tell you something, my friend, today. In our nation, all the money in the world can't fix our problems. All the money in the world can't fix our issues. You already understand, in the natural, our government said, let's give everybody money. It only made us more broke. Not only did it bankrupt our national system, it also bankrupted our already dilapidated work ethic. For the scripture said, if a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. Come on, somebody. You can have all the monies and all of the programs and all of those things. And as I said a moment ago, this is not a political message. But what I'm trying to tell you is they didn't have an economic answer and neither do we. All of the money in the world can't fix the moral depravity in our nation. But there's one thing that can fix it. By my spirit. Are y'all ready? Hold on just a second. They didn't have an economic answer. You ready for this one? Number three, they didn't have a political answer either. David established a powerful government, passed down to Solomon, ruled over many Gentile nations. Israel was looked at as the capital of the world. All people, they paid tax to Israel, but the Jews in Zechariah's day, they had no such authority and they had no such kingdom. 
And I want to tell you something. Like in our day, politics can fix our problems. Who, Jesus, help me. Listen, I believe in voting. I believe you ought to vote. But at the end of the day, my faith is not in the White House. My faith is not in a political office. Who's there and who's not there? But let me tell you, because no matter who's in the White House, there's somebody who's still on the throne. And he will not be mocked. But God is not a man that he should lie, neither is he the son of man that he should repent. Has he not spoken it? Shall he also not bring it to pass? God will not be mocked. We don't have a political answer. Why? Because all politics do is implement laws. Laws are good. Laws govern nations. You have to have laws. And laws are built on morality. But let me tell you something. Just because you put a law in place doesn't mean people follow them. You don't believe me? There are prisons and penitentiaries and juvenile detention centers and county jails full of people who didn't get the memo. Politics in and of itself is not the answer. Yes, the scripture says when when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. Yes, it says that the nation who forgets God shall be turned into hell. But listen, the focus on those things are righteousness and the Lord. Our, Our answer in the world today is not by the donkey or the elephant. Our answer today is by the Lamb of God, the Lion of the tribe of Judah. And let me tell you something. When there was no ruler over Israel, when they had no military force, when they had no economic thing... And everything looked bleak around them. I love how the Lord came to the prophet and said, Go tell Zerubbabel, it's not by might and it's not by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. When nothing else works, when nothing else is available, everything amounts to a big zero. I love what David said in Psalms. He said, I look, I lift my eyes into the hills from which comes my help. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Folks, I'm telling you this morning, America's problem is not greater military. America's problem is not our economy. America's answer is not in our political spectrum. Our answer is found by the Spirit of the Lord. We need God to breathe on our nation again. We need the people of God to awake out of their slumber. Proverbial alarm alarm clock is, is flashing and alarming today and so many people are asleep. Like the Jews in the days of the Babylonian captivity, they have wept and they have laid aside their harps and they've forgotten their song. But I want to tell you something. In the words of Haggai the prophet, The glory of the latter house shall be better, greater than the glory.